back to another episode of the Balanced Blues Brothers podcast. I'm Travis Flock and joined today by Ola and Travis Tyler. Uh, we come to you after midweek. We ended up losing the match 1-0 to Porto, but still advanced on aggregate goals that we had two way goals in the first leg. Um, overall, it wasn't the most exciting game, but it's job done. That's the name of the game in cup football. And secondly, we just finished up the FA Cup semifinal against Manchester City. And it was a 1-0 win for Chelsea, one of the biggest wins of our time so far with Thomas Tuchel. And overall now, there has been quite a few scalps that Thomas Tuchel has claimed against really big clubs. Um, and in that process, has not conceded a goal. And we can talk about that maybe a little bit later. But uh, we're going to go ahead and start with the FA Cup uh, review in that match against City. And then we will get into really just discussing the Champions League more generally our matchup against Real Madrid, and what we think the odds are for Chelsea going forward after today's result against City. So I'll start with you, Travis. What were some of the things that you, you know, really stuck out for you in the game plan against City and how it worked and why it worked so well? Uh, I think our game plan was we sat back a little bit more. We didn't really, like, completely sit back like a Jose Mourinho team would. And we were really trying to hit them on the break or at least create situations where Timo Berner or strangely enough, Akeem Ziyech would be able to get in behind and cause them some trouble. We weren't really too bothered about them playing through us. And it's very odd to me that Guardiola didn't really do anything to change that because when, when he played against Antonio Conte teams, he would, he eventually figured out, you know, how to get through a three, four, three, that's blocking in a certain way, that's pressing in a certain way. But we didn't see any of that today. It's, it, it was very strange. Yeah, overall, we were pretty much in control of the game, which is weird to say against Manchester City, that there were a few moments that things were a little touch and go, but overall, we, we had the go of it. And at the same time, I don't even think we played that well. Like, we, we completely controlled the game, but didn't really play well to do it. It's very, very weird game overall. But we're going to the FA Cup final. Uh, we have Brighton coming up, Real Madrid coming up. And this is a really good way to start it. And we ended another pep quadruple, so that's always good. Oh, yeah, you know, I'll definitely take that. We ended uh, Liverpool's treble quest. We now end Man-, Man City's quadruple quest and get ourselves into the final. I think you made some good points there. We really did limit them a lot. And we really just, I didn't see a whole lot of the adjustments being made as far as overarching tactics and, and, and style of play in the match by City, even though they did have some personnel like Foden and Gundawan that opened that up a little bit more. Uh, how about you, Ola? What sticks out to you from today? Yeah, I, I, I think the match was quite, we're quite comfortable, which is, like Travis said, is weird to say because we, 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 we controlled the ball well. Our ball retention was was very good uh, until quite late in the match when we were running into traffic and losing the ball when we felt like it. But generally, for for a match against Manchester City, we were quite we were quite okay. 
And I, I like what I saw. We created three big chances. They created none. So that was always good. And we showed that we know how to manage a game against a team that has that much better quality than us. I mean, in terms of, of man for man, we, we may come close, but they've been playing together far longer than we have. So that just makes their team that much stronger. And we didn't see the threat in Manchester City that other teams have been seeing, which is not very common, we can say that. And we, we, we prevented them from, from getting the ball at, at key moments in the match, which is difficult to do against Manchester City. So overall, we did not play expertly, but we played well enough to deserve a win against Manchester City. And that's, that's good enough for me. But in the final, so it really doesn't matter how well we played, but playing well is, is, also, is also good too. And we played very, very well. I like what I saw. You know, my opinion in the first half was that we really just kind of had a pretty pedestrian performance where it felt to me like we weren't really getting a whole lot of clear-cut chances. We still had more than Man City did. But I think what I noticed in the first half, it seemed that we really were just there to muddle the plans that Pep had for this game and to really kind of throw them off and really take the sting out of their attack. And I think that we did that really well. But as, as the game went on a little more, I thought that City started to grow into the game more than we did from around maybe the, I'd say, 25th to 55th minute. It seemed like they started to grow into the game a little more than us. And then we hit them with that great counterattack against the run of play. And, and that's what, that's you know, you can say whatever you want about Timo Werner, but the truth about him is he now has more goal contributions than any other Chelsea player at 19 this season. And his his pace on the counterattack is so effective against these better, you know, more upper echelon style of teams like Man City and Liverpool, so on and so forth, because they want to play a little bit more of an expansive attacking game. The defensive lines are going to be shoved a little further up in order to support that style of play. And that's what Werner exploits so well. And then we also see again today, another huge performance out of Hakeem Ziyech in a cup match. And this seems to be something that he consistently does now. The, The, you know, he gets in the Champions League or he gets into the FA Cup and, you know, we're seeing good performances from him time and time again. Uh, and this even goes back to his days at Ajax. So I did want to talk a little bit about those two first. You know, what do you guys think of the performance from Werder Ziyech, enough to maybe get them back into, you know, a real conversation for starting uh, in the front three? Or is there still more that needs to be done and persist with Mount, Kai, and Pulisic? I think it's, it's more knowing how to use them than where, whether to use them. I think we've, we've seen when in the, in the right circumstances, Ziyech can produce. I mean, we, we got him for chance, for chance creation, but he has, been, he has been scoring some key goals for us. And I mean, that's just a bonus, which for an attacker is supposed to be the main thing. But he, he, has been, he has been creating chances, he has been scoring goals. I think we just need to get him more involved in the game. Tuchel may see him as, as too risky, because of his passing, but we know that everyone on the team can't be Jorginho, who, who does everything he can to keep the ball. That's not everyone's role in the team. If you can do that, that's fine. And there are very few attackers, very, very few creative players who retain the ball as well as they create chances. And Ziyech is sadly not one of them. The only, the only one I, I can think of is Thomas Muller of Bayern, and, you know, he's, he's a rare breed. I... I think we, we just misunderstand him a bit. 
we see him as maybe we see him as a kind of mount kind of player who who is all this high energy, keep the ball kind of player, but that's not him at all. We saw him today make a lot of passes, release a lot of players to cross. Not necessarily him crossing per se, but him putting other players in a position to make the final ball. And as soon as he was taking off, our goal threat disappeared, more or less. And we still coming under a lot of pressure. So I think he has deserved to start more games. And it's just a matter of getting him more involved in the game and trusting him as well. Trusting him because he will lose the ball. He would he will make crosses that won't go through. He will try risky passes that won't work. But that's what he does. And that's how that's how you get the best out of him. You don't get the best out of him by making him prioritize keeping the ball because we already have enough players for that. What do you think about that, Travis? Do you think it's really just a matter of getting him more involved and in how we how we get him involved? Or is there more to ZX that uh, it can be both positive and negative in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I, I think today was one of his best games for us. He didn't play as false nine, but he certainly ended up in like that kind of striker area a lot, which is very weird to me. But he got his goal that way. He nearly got more that way. And he just, he was drifting in so often. And, you know, I've talked with Ole about this. I've talked a little bit about you with it, of how, you know, if you want him playmaking, to me, you want him central because that opens up the entire pitch to him to be able to send a pass to instead of, you know, he's out wide. His only option is a pass to the left or across to the far side. So, just him being able to get more central, I think, helped a lot, especially because he was able to come in from, you know, spaces that City wasn't paying much attention to. And then by the time he's where they need to pay attention to, they, they're already a yard two behind. I, I think another thing that worked with that is, you know, he was able to drift in and then Reese James was able to get Akers out on the flank. And... You know, Chilwell was able to do the same on the other side in front of Timo Werner. I agree, Ziyech needs to be playing more. I also do tend to think he's a little more risky than our other options, which is probably what's hindering him the most. But give, given how our offense operates overall, I think we kind of need that riskiness, that dial to you know try something. As for Timo Werner, he got his assist today. And it was a really good one. It came off a really good run, and he worked hard to get those runs. Discounting that, I probably would say he was our worst player. Everything about Timo Werner before that assist was frustrating. He would receive the ball and just always, he would either try to flick it back or just go with the wrong decision. There was one moment where he had a complete breakaway out of our half and he tried to square it to whoever was in center and he just completely overcooked it. There was another moment when he got the ball in the box and he could have just turned and taken a shot, but instead he tried to flick it back to, I think Ziyech is who gave it to him and he just gave it away. It's little things like that. Just little moments where he's so close to doing the right thing and he gets it wrong. That frustrates me. The one time he didn't get it wrong, he got an assist out of it. And that's great. But can you discount the rest of it when you're thinking about, okay, we have Real Madrid coming up. We we might have more coming up. Like, that's 
not the kind of player I want to take a risk on. I'd rather Ziyech be in the squad with his risky passes than Timo Werner making these decisions, which are based out of low confidence. Like that's, that just is what it is. But if, if it was between those two, I would go with Ziyech over Werner. You know, I think that it's so difficult to, for me to gauge how to judge Werner because I understand that ultimately he's been bought to bring in goals and that's how he's going to always be partially or, you know, majority, majority. That's how he's going to be judged most of the time. And I understand that because of what was the whole task of bringing him into the club. But I don't, I just have to say, I think that I'm with you guys. I think if we're going to look at everything from a little bit more, all things considered approach that Zia can do more on the ball as well as I think he does a little more off the ball too. But it, it, I think that Werner moving forward, if we're going to be playing in these matches against these bigger teams that want to actually have more of an attacking impetus against us, as opposed to sitting back and two backs of four low block, everybody behind the ball kind of game. I think that's when Werner doesn't fit us as well. And Ziyech would be way, way better for that. So I think it's sort of a cop out for me, but I think it's matchup dependent. I think these lower block sides that uh, ZX can be perfect for that because he has that really final third decision-making that can unlock those. And I think that the, uh, the sides we're going to see them come at us more and therefore conversely be more open at the back is where Timo Werner would excel in. So I think that's how I would approach it going forward. Um, it, it'd be a little more match dependent, but I still think on average that I, from what we've seen recently, uh, I still think that Mount, Pulisic, and Havertz might be our best front three. But it, maybe that's also being tinted a lot from the performance at Palace. However, I would say that, again, Christian Pulisic, uh, if it wasn't for the offsides, would have had another goal today. And if it wasn't for the crossbar, would have had a goal as well uh, in the first leg against Porto. So I think that you know his form is really starting to hit at the right time. I think he, him and Mount definitely get in. A few other players I wanted to mention today in the FA Cup. We saw, again, we saw Thiago Silva come back and have a really good performance. Um, I know I was very critical of him from that West Brom match, and I'll own that. Uh, he did really well today, so credit to him. But I also thought that King Rudy and uh, the El Capitan himself, Mr. Cesar Azpilicueta, they, I thought they had outstanding performances just all over the place. And another person who I think deserves a lot of credit is Ben Chilwell today. I think he's really quietly had an incredible season for us. And given the people we were linked with this summer at left back, I think that he's, he's shown why we went ahead and paid the extra money for him. But what did you guys think of our defenders today? What stuck out to you and maybe who was your standout performer? I mean, Silva had like near perfect stats from that game. I've seen him going around and I can only think of like one moment where he made like one kind of shaky decision, but overall he was just excellent. And that back injury he went out with eventually, he had that in like the fifth minute. I've had back injuries. You know, that hurts. Everything you do hurts. So I don't know if he played the whole game with that hurt or if it just, you know, reoccurred later. But, man, if he played that long, that well in pain like that, that's insane. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, Reese James and Chilwell were just getting completely open on the flanks. And of the two, Chilwell is definitely the one who's going to drive towards goal a little more. And we saw a lot of that. And I think it's worth mentioning how, you know, when Tuchel first came in, Marcos Alonso was the be-all, end-all starting left wing back. And slowly, Chilwell has worked his way into the side. 
to a point now where, I mean, if we start Alonzo, I, th- I don't think that'll be like unusual, but I think we all understand if it's the Champions League tomorrow, Chilwell's playing. Osvili Cueta went in to be our 10th highest appearing player of all time today. Uh, he did very well. Uh, Rudiger did very well, and he stirred up a little bit too, which is what he's there for. Um, and just to kind of expand out a little further from defense, I thought, at least in the first half, Georgina was fantastic. And I'm really critical of him generally, but everything was coming off for him in the center. Conte, I thought he did well. He got some good dribbles, but he's not really a dribbler, so it wasn't going to go very far. But overall, yeah, it was quite excellent in the back. Yeah, I mean, you really can't complain by holding a city to a clean sheet. And Good job to point out, Silva had almost a flawless game. How about you, Ola? What were your standouts from the defensive side today? I think generally our, our defense was superb because all the, all the center-backs were on point. We didn't... They, they did some risky things, but that was due to them having high confidence and it came off, so I can't really complain. They are top-class defenders. They are they are defenders that have played at the high level for quite a while, so I would expect them to be comfortable pulling off some high-risk things. City do it anyway. They play out from the back. It's risky business, but they do it, and, and they did it well. As Lukata was phenomenal, he has, been, he has been big for us since he came. In, I think in two seasons now, he has played every minute of every league game for us. I think in the 16-17 in the winning um, league-winning season, he played every minute of, of, of 38 games, and that's, that's just impressive. And he just doesn't slow down. Center back, he plays. Right back, he plays. Left back, he plays. Wherever, I just put him on the pitch, and he'll give you 100%. And that's really all you can ask for, really. You can't ask for any, anything more than that. Rudiger was very good. Thiago Silva was, was a standout performer. Even when Zuma came in, he every time he was called upon, he did what was required of him to keep the clean sheet. Regimes was good except for that moment where he ran, he ran at the city defense and just lost the ball without any any prompting. That was quite frustrating. But he, he and Chilwell were, I mean, this defense kept the clinch against Manchester City. They they faced Manchester City this season and the game was over at halftime. So it shows that they have improved a lot. And we did everything we're supposed to do right. We did everything right. And I was quite impressed. Yeah, I was really impressed today, too. And uh, Travis has just thrown this stat out here that Azkola has now played every match with Tuchel. And the only one that he didn't start or finish the full 90 was against Sheffield United when he had 27 minutes. So big credit to him. I think that Tuchel has found the same thing that Antonio Conte found, which is that Dave can really, really do a shift at that right center back position. And I think that kind of hints at maybe why we maybe had some problems defensively when he was being shuffled back to left back and right back as he's gotten older, maybe doesn't have the ability to hang at that position as much anymore. And Travis, you mentioned Jorginho, and I wanted to talk about that today. Um, Again, we kind of see the yin and the yang working so well between Conte and Jorginho. What did you guys think about him? You know, I I really was impressed with Jorginho again today. And, you know, there's this uh, growing narrative that he's starting to win a lot of Chelsea fans over now under Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, like I said earlier, he he was very good today. And there is a very much a yin and a yang between him and N'Golo Conte where one can receive the ball and move it along and the other 
can, you know, go ahead and do the defending and, and dribble it forward if needed. And Kovacic kind of a little bit in between both when he plays with them. Yeah, I mean, Jorginho's a weird one with our fan base because he's so, his whole narrative is so attached to Maurizio Sarri and his time at the club. And, you know, people get are insane about that whole period of Chelsea. So it, it's really hard to view Jorginho as the player that he is and not as, you know, one narrative versus another. I think he's a very good player. And some, some days like today, he's excellent. You know, other days he struggles a little bit just because of the kind of player he is. And these are things that happen. But overall, I mean, he's been good for us. He, he might not have been the best. He might not. We might have had other options, but he's been good for us. I don't think it has to be much more than that, really. Yeah, I think that, you know, he, he has been very good for us, but it does kind of highlight that he is a little bit of a systems player. He does have limitations. And that if, if it's not a system that's perfect, I don't want to say perfect, but I guess more suited for his style of play, right? There's a lot of easy criticisms that can and do be, you know, made against him. But I, I said it a while back, I think, on our podcast, or at least it was with a discussion with RJ, uh, and I think you guys as well in the group chat, where it kind of said that Conte and Jorginho give me a lot of promise as a midfield pairing, because what one does so well, the other doesn't do well. And they really just balance each other out. And I think that in these, you know, cup final type matches or cup semifinal matches, this could be a very viable pairing for us. You know, you have Jorginho to control, you have Conte to, to more roam and break up and intercept and, and just disrupt the, the opponent. Jorginho doesn't need to win me over. I've always recognized what Jorginho brings to a team. I think a lot of the criticism around him is, is really based on things he can't control, like Alonso with pace. He's not fast, yes. He's not that athletic, yes. He's not your Mikel. He's not your Wilfred Ndidi. But he's very, very intelligent defensively. And he has shown that several times. I mean, under Sarri, he, he didn't do many papers that many fans were saying it's not his job to defend. It's absolutely his job to defend. He's a defensive midfielder. Don't listen to anyone that says that. And he, he does defending quite well. He gets dribbled past, dribbled past a lot because he either fouls you, gets a yellow card, or he just lets you get by. There's no, not much you can do. But he makes a lot of interceptions. He makes a lot of tackles. He positions himself well defensively and I think he gets a lot of unfair criticism from the fan base. And every Chelsea player gets unfair criticism from the fan base. That's not something you can control now. But every player has a system that they would do better in. And this is one of those systems. He's, he's, been, he's been playing very well. Kante gave the ball away a lot today. And it's not to say he loses the ball too much. But today he did. And... Jorginho is just that guy. He's, he's perfect for Tuku because Tuku likes possession play. He likes ball retention. And Jorginho is exactly that. He has high, high passing completion numbers. He is, is decent with, 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 his, with his passing range. I think it's just unfair the way Jorginho is treated because many people see him as the man that stood in the way of Kante under Sarri. Some people see him as the man who pushed out Fabregas. And all that really has nothing to do with him. That, that's not his business. He, he had nothing to do with that. Our, our central midfield pairing today was, it was efficient because we had someone who would do the work that the other person wasn't quite good at. They are both equally, well, not equally, but they are both 
they both do defending well and do passing well, but it's clearly one person's strength and not so much of the strength of the other person. And that's it was, it was just a very balanced midfield, really. And I think that many people expect from Jorginho something that he's simply not. He's not a destroyer. He's never going to be. He's an intelligent defensive player and, and he has limitations. Players have limitations. Every single player on that team has limitations. And when it's exposed at an extreme, you see it and it looks really, really bad. But every player has limitations and he, he has his too. He can't control, he can't make himself stronger than he is. He can't make himself faster than he is. It's just what it is. He's, he's a very good player. Yeah, in terms of the role he plays, he's very good at playing that role, regardless of however other weaknesses or limitations that he may have in this game. And that's been pointed out many times by many people, so on and so forth in the fan base. I think that we're all starting to see that when he's in this role and has more coverage behind him, right, with his three at the back, he is a very, very good player. You know, he is the vice captain of the team, right? You know, he does. You don't get that by being a slouch who doesn't uh, affect games and you know doesn't have a a, a a strong voice in the training ground. So I, I just wanted to say hats off to everybody. I think everyone was a uh, you know at top display today. If I have to pick a man of the match. I think I would probably pick Jorginho or Chilwell today. I, I'd go with Ziyech, personally. Just He got the goal. He knitted things together. I, I think it has to be him. I would also go with Ziyech. Our defense played very well. If I'm not going with Ziyech, I'll go with Thiago Silva. But I'll go with Ziyech because it's all well and good defending well against City, but you have to penetrate them. And the reason we are able to penetrate them was because of Ziyech. As soon as he left, it was all... We're hanging by a thread and we're barely able to see the game out. So I'll, I'll hand it to Zed. We are now going to be talking about the Champions League uh, outlook preview of Real Madrid and just kind of reassess everything and talk about the Champions League in more general terms. Uh, the Porto match, you know, the, the second leg, like we mentioned at the start of this episode, really didn't have a whole lot to talk about. To me, if I remember right, there weren't even any shots on target by Chelsea in that match. And we really just were there to do a job. And we did that job, right? We got it done. You know, we, we now will be facing Real Madrid, who dispatched Liverpool 3-1 to one overall. All the goals that were scored were scored in the first, first leg. No goals scored in the second leg at Anfield uh, without uh, any real fortress or, uh, from the crowd there. Liverpool could not get it done. Generally, they did play pretty well in that first, you know, 20 minutes, but Real Madrid were too much. So we are facing a Real Madrid team that may have Sergio Ramos back, may have Rafael Varane back. And this could present some problems, right? They have a great midfield of Casemiro, Cruz, and Modric. It's just going to be a difficult match overall. They have, a, they have a very dangerous attack. They have a very good passer of the ball in Tony Cruz. We would, be, we would have to be very careful about that because we're going to be playing a high line. I know we'll play a high line against Real Madrid. And we cannot let them do to us what they did to Liverpool, really. I mean, they won Liverpool in one half. They won that tie in one half. In one half, they did everything they needed to do, and for the rest of the tie, they just needed to do game management. And they won the, 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 the Champions League 13 times. That's, that's a lot for a team. This particular group of players have probably been here at least four times, maybe five times. So they are going to be a lot more comfortable than we are. And we should be able to hold our own. Tukul is as pragmatic as his adventurous, so he would know he would know the right balance. He assumed that he can apply the right balance to games, and he would 
we'll be able to handle it. The first leg is away, and that's very good because we'll be able to play the second leg on our home ground. And I believe we'll score against Real Madrid, and we should be able to hold our own against them. Maybe not keep a clean sheet. I think this will be the game where the boys become men or they go home. Real Madrid could have a completely terrible season, but if they're in the Champions League semifinal, you would still kind of say that they're the favorites to go through the final and probably win the whole thing. Just because they have this, I don't even know what to call it, but they just have this thing about them where they get this close to a trophy and they just cannot let go of it. And we need to make sure that they do. And not to over go overboard on comparisons to 2012, but Barcelona was the same in the semifinal back then. Like everyone expected that to go one way, especially in Spain, because I've seen those same you know, reports that Ola's talking about. They, they think they already have the final in the bag. I think the hardest thing about Real Madrid is it's just so hard to figure out what they are tactically because it changes so much. You know, Zidane's won all these trophies, but you can't really say, like, this is the Zidane style. It, it just changes so much. And for someone like Thomas Tuchel, that's, that's going to be really hard to plan against. It'll be good to see Eden Hazard back if he ends up playing or not. It'll be good to see Thibaut Courtois back for different reasons if we do well against Real Madrid. I think overall, this is probably going to be decided in the first leg. I don't think much is going to happen in the second leg other than just killing time. If we need to go into the first leg and maybe not necessarily win, but get the away goals that we need to be more comfortable for the second leg. One thing to consider is, you know, where we are in the Premier League around those Real Madrid matches. We have Fulham in between and West Ham and Arsenal either side of them, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it goes, yeah, Brighton, West Ham, Real Madrid, uh, Fulham, Real Madrid, Arsenal. I think I'm pretty sure you're right on that. Yeah, so, I mean, at least with West Ham, that's a game we're going to have to take completely seriously because... They also, they can't defend all of a sudden. I think they've allowed like 11 goals in the last maybe six games or something like that. Yeah, every game for them has ended 3-2 lately, so... You know, they can't defend, but they can score. It's, it, it's something to consider. You know, how we approach trying to qualify for top four while also trying to get past Real Madrid at the same time. And it's going to be tricky, but you, you don't get this far in the season without getting into tricky situations like this. And we'll have to voice them in. It's the only way. If, if we want to stop being this team that just has this slog to get top four on the last day of the season. This is what you're going to face, right? The good teams are there at the end of the year. They're playing the best teams in the world in the Champions League at the end of the year. And we, you know, we don't really have anybody but ourselves to blame as far as getting in the position that we got ourselves into as far as making the top four. Essentially, you know, we can drop points, but it really can't be a three-point drop. And we have to win probably, what, 75% of our league games, which we have pretty much done so far. That's the reality of a top team. You're going to have to play this. You're going to have to face these these big clubs. And they might come back to back to back to back to back. And that's just the way it is. Uh, and if you don't want it that way, then, you know, I don't know if that's, that's not, to me, that's just not the mentality of a top club uh, or a super club at that. 
and especially one of Chelsea, where really the only values we have uh, as far as a club, it seems to be, are just win, bring trophies. There aren't really other any other overarching philosophical values that we stand for right at, right now as a club. So I think that's kind of my interpretation on that is, you know, bring the challenge on, right? We always say we want to be there and get back to the top. Well, this is what top teams have to deal with and they have to face and they have to navigate and they have to succeed doing. So the next part is, you know, I kind of alluded to it. I think that when you look at Real Madrid and the Champions League, um, you know, Liverpool maybe is a little bit of an outlier because let's just be honest, Liverpool are not, to me, they're just not a great team this year, right? They, they can they can turn up, but they more likely more often than times recently, especially in 2021, they just don't, right? And they only scored one goal against Madrid. But the to me, the truth of the matter is this, that Real Madrid have allowed 11 goals in 12 Champions League matches and not counting the Liverpool, it was uh, 10 goals in eight matches. So uh, I think that this is a back line that can be exploited. That kind of hits, you know, their weakness might be defense and our weakness might be attack. So that kind of is, that's going to be an interesting matchup for me. But I think that really where this game is going to be won and lost, I think, is the midfield. Um, I think that they have such a uh, dynamic midfield in terms of each player has a very unique profile and they all work and balance very well together. How do you think we can deal with that midfield of Real Madrid? We're going to need Kante that much, we know. We're going to need Kovacic. He's, he played for Real Madrid. I, I think it would be a stretch to say he knows he knows the players and he knows how to handle them. But we're going to need Kovacic because they have a lot of talented midfielders, intelligent midfielders. Midfielders that don't need to do a lot of work to impact the game. Not that they don't do a lot of work, but they have so much experience that they know how to accomplish what they want without expending too much energy. I mean, Cruz doesn't have to. He doesn't have to run run around. He can pick any pass from from the center circle. He doesn't. He doesn't really need to stress himself. And they have a lot of hard workers in that midfield as well. So I've not really thought about it too much, but I don't think Jorginho would fit in this kind of game. I can't really put my finger on why, but I think we we'll need to we we'll need to break the press a lot. Kovacic's dribbling would come in handy. We need to win the ball back a lot because they are very good in, in keeping the ball. You don't win three three Champions Leagues back to back if if you don't know how to keep the ball in midfield. And I think their midfield is probably the most balanced left in the Champions League. I don't know. Don't 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 call me out on that. But they have a, a very talented midfield, and we are we are still going to play a two a two central midfield a, a central midfield pairing. I don't, I don't think Tuku will go to a, a midfield three four. For this one, so I think we need Kante, we need Kovacic, we need regimes. We definitely need regimes, and we need Ben Stewart to handle that midfield. If we can hold the midfield, maybe not control, but if we can contain them, we we have a a, a better shot than they do because we have a better defense than they do and a better attack. Yes, I'm going to say better attack. You know, my kind of thoughts on containing this Real Madrid midfield and winning that battle is going to be dependent on exactly what you kind of said. We need N'Golo Kante and, you know, we can make the argument that, well, we need, we need Kovacic to be able to, you know, make these forward runs and dribbles and get through, you know, Real Madrid's midfield. But I actually would kind of favor again, I would favor what we did today. I would put in Jorginho with, with Kante. And I think that's going to give that balance, right? 
we can slow the game down with Jorginho, keep the ball more and keep them away from it and wear them down. Whereas I don't think we do that as nearly as well with Kovacic and Conte, right? Because they both like to move around and roam too much. And I think that would give too much space for their players to find that easy through ball that's going to pick us apart. And I know that we do have the three at the back. But what I worry is how, how we're, especially on the right side, how is Espelicueta going to hold up to the speed of one of those, you know, Rodrigo or Vinicius or something like that. All, and, and, and that's not saying that Vinicius is going to score against us because it's, if one thing's for certain, uh, the Liverpool game was a fluke for him. He really has become, uh, as far as, if you want to look at it in the grand scheme of things, most Madrid fans might agree with me on this, that uh, their big rebuilding plans with Vinicius and Rodrigo really haven't gone according to plan how they thought. And it's been a little bit disappointing thus far. They've fallen a little short of what they initially thought they had by buying those two players. And they thought they had the next two, you know, Neymars in, in the world game, but they just didn't have that. So I, I think that that's what, where I would say that we have to, we have to control it. That's where we're going to win it. If we have those two on the field, Conte can intercept and, and, and break apart and, 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 you know, really disrupt their game. And that Jorginho can frustrate them by us keeping the ball and retaining the ball and keeping them off of it. And we really just would have to remain really diligent in our transitions and our wingbacks would not be able to bombard really high forward because we know that they could beat us on the break. And then conversely, right, there is the sort of the trend that Real Madrid really don't have a, a, a clear-cut goal-scoring threat outside of Karim Benzema, although that is a really good goal-scoring threat. Do you think that with this three-at-the-back formation, though, that that's going to be enough to really effectively neutralize Kareem Benzema? Well, three-at-the-back has pretty much been working because, one, it just gives you a naturally wider base for a counter. So you can always spare at least one of the wider center backs to at least slow down the counter while reinforcements get back. The other thing is pretty much every team in the world play at this level will play with one striker. So when you have three in your box, you're massively outnumbering them when it comes to the ball coming back in. Yeah, I mean, overall, approach it like we did City today, where we're not necessarily pressing their back line. We'll see guys like Mason Mount or even Hakeem Ziyech drop in and help out Ngolo Conte or Georgino or Mateo Kovacic, whoever ends up playing, I can see the argument for almost any of the three combinations we could go with in midfield. Conte to be able to add us some steel, Giorgino to be able to move the ball along, Kovacic because he knows them, but then again, they also know him because it's really kind of the same midfield from when he was there. Uh, I definitely do kind of think the wingbacks are going to have the harder go of it. I think that's where the game is going to be a little more won or lost. So Reese James or Hudson Odoi, if he ends up playing, which I mean we haven't seen him lately, so I don't know if he will. You know, he'll have to be there to help out Osvillequeta. Rudiger's are going to have to be good. They're definitely going to be trying to hit us behind that line. Some of the passes that Bruce and Modric have hit. Against Liverpool, even, they just wrecked their back line with one pass. So everyone's going to have to be at the top of their game. It's going to just be rough, and we're going to have to suffer, as Tuchel says, as Conte has said. Pretty much all of our managers have said in the last few years, we'll have to suffer and just get through it and 
you know, get past them. Yeah, I think that that's the the key I was trying to go with and allude to is that if we don't neutralize this midfield, they can break us apart with one pass, right? They can break two lines with one pass and send, you know, Benzema, whoever, right in on goal. Uh, and then kind of building off that whole, uh, you know, he, Travis kind of approached both the midfield and, and how we use the midfield to also neutralize Benzema in some ways. How do you think that we neutralize him the best? That's really their biggest threat. And, you know, quite frankly, he's been a world-class striker for, I mean, a decade now. Guys, the guy's incredible uh, overall. I think like we did Luis Suarez, isolate him, cut off all his, all his points of supply. So he's a bit of a supplier himself, but if he's supplying, who would he supply to? Because really, I, I think the best thing to do with Benzema is we have three centre-backs to handle the attackers. He is the one that calls the shot. If we isolate him, we don't get him on the ball often. He will get frustrated and, you know, once he gets frustrated, we have him where we want him, really. We have wing-backs. We have central midfielders. I'm not a big fan of of man-marking strikers with a centre-back. Though we have three centre-backs, so we may, be, we may be able to afford that. But i seen as we're playing a three-centre-back formation, and we're not playing a 5-3-2 like Newcastle. We're actually playing a 3-4, a 3-4-2-1 or something like that. I wouldn't want us to, to waste, should I say, a centre-back on Benzema. I think we cut off his supply. We hold down Cruz, we hold down Modric, we hold down... Valverde or Casemiro or, or, or one of them, he wouldn't he wouldn't see any outlet, and we would still need to be very aware of him. But that would be on the central defender in the in the back three, like much like what Christensen was to Luis Suarez. So I'm not too scared of Benzema. That's not to say I don't recognize his his talent, but we faced equally brilliant strikers, and we've come out on top by. Cutting off their point of supply, really. We did it to Hurricane to cut off his point of supply, and he's left on an island with, with nothing to do, really. Yeah, I think we're going to have to really make Benzema create a lot on his own. And that's if we do, if we can force that issue and get that game plan accomplished, I do think we can limit him. As far as a back three to go to start to limit him, this is where I actually might favor Thiago Silva over Andreas Christensen to start. I think I would probably play as book, but to Silva. And, you know, King Rudy uh, at that left center back spot. I think that's where I would go. Um, you know, you could say that, well, Benzema has a little bit more of an aerial threat. But I think that Silva showed today he can still deal with that pretty well defensively. But we also, this is assuming that he doesn't have an injury that's going to keep him out for a while from today. I think it looked like to me it was just cramping and just being 36 years old <laughs> and at this level. So I don't think it looked like anything super serious. I mean, he fought on, was a warrior all game. But this is where I think you play him. This is where I think that this is why we maybe brought him in. It was for these kind of leadership positions and these roles. Do you think we have to win the first leg? Do you think we can afford to drop that? Or is it really just about us scoring a goal and seeing what happens in the second leg? How do you, what do you guys think about uh, as far as this first leg result? What do you think has to happen for us to get through? It's either got to be a goal scoring draw or a win. If it's any, if it's anything else, I think, we're going to be going back to Stanford Bridge and we'll, we'll not have enough of, I guess, a leash to be able to close out the time. Because you definitely don't want to give Real Madrid any kind of hope or you want to at least minimize it as they go into the second leg. 0-0 wouldn't be the end of the world, 
but that away goal would be really nice. And, you know, a win would be obviously amazing. A, a win would be good, but I think we should prioritize not conceding. Yes, I know it's the way led and the way goals are nice, but Real Madrid won their tie against Liverpool in their house, really. They won the tie at home. They won 3-1. They came to the second leg, didn't score, didn't concede. It was it was textbook from there. I think yes, I I, I agree. I agree with Travis. It, it has to be a goal scoring draw or a win. Like Atletico, our second leg plan worked perfectly. Our sitting back and counter attacking plan worked perfectly because we had won the first game. So it was it was left to Atletico to attack us or or accept the defeat and go. We don't want to put Real Madrid in a situation to pile pressure on us. Actually, I think we do. Because then we can expose their defensive frailty. I think we do, yes. We want to want to make them come at us. But they have more attacking attacking talent than than Atletico Madrid and, and Porto. So we'll have to be careful with how we handle that as well. The you know, the last time we were in a semifinal in the Champions League, you know, it was against a Spanish team, was with at- Atletico Madrid, and we did get beat. I think everybody wants to forget that a little bit. When we really talk about all oh, of the, the parallels, there's so much. The last time we played a Spanish giant in the Champions League, we went on and beat them and went to those final one. Well, that's actually not true. We actually did play a Spanish giant in 2014, and we got thoroughly beaten very hard. Uh, the 4-1 total, we lost uh, at home 4-1. Um, and if you go back and look at that lineup Mourinho put out, it's it was honestly just, it was a terrible starting eleven. Uh, if anybody remembers it, there was just like four people. He played as Filiqueta left mid, if you remember that. It was a really bad line. So I, I don't want to harp on that too much because I think this is a little bit different. Because I think in that match, the narrative was this is a very even match, right? That nobody really was predicting Atletico to go in there and steamroll us because we had Jose Mourinho. But in 2012, especially in Spain, everybody thought, this is a foregone conclusion. This Chelsea team is not going to beat us, so on and so forth. Because let's be honest, this is one of it was the, the the peak of Pep Guardiola's Barcelona was was that season. You know, they had one of their best overall seasons. They just didn't get it done because they played us at the wrong time, uh, and we had all the right form. So a little bit of a lengthy answer for me here, but I think there, if you look at what's going on in Spain, Mars has already kind of said that this is the you know most favorable thing that could have happened to Madrid. It's going to be another final, so on and so forth. That, that narrative is already building again, that, that this Chelsea team can't hang with Real Madrid. And I'm with you. That's where we've been best. You know, we, we've kind of, since Roman Abramovich, been the villains a little bit, and it really has been us against the world. And that's when we succeed most. And that's really what got me into being a fan of this team is sort of that overall mentality. With that said, this team has undergone so much more adversity than Real Madrid has this season. And we've, we've really been recently grinding out results, showing a lot of, you know, especially coming back from the West Brom match, we really bounced back well. I think we've seen a lot of grit, a a lot of resiliency, and this squad has been tested with so much more controversy and turmoil, so on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera, than Real Madrid have this season. Additionally, I think that although Real Madrid have a lot of match winners and, and Champions League winning experience in that squad, they don't have the guy who made it almost all happen single-handedly at times, which is Cristiano Ronaldo. They don't have that, let's be honest. Uh, credit to their midfield. It's a phenomenal midfield, still one of the best in the world. But I don't see from an attacking standpoint 
how they're going to be able to compensate enough. Who, who is their guy that's just going to pop up and take the game by the scruff of the neck? They don't have that anymore. They don't have peak bail. They don't have Cristiano Ronaldo. They just don't have that profile of player anymore, in my opinion, from what I do watch of them in a much more limited capacity. But I do watch them. I do watch Real Madrid in the group stages, and I watch them the knockouts against Atalanta. I watch the matches against Liverpool. They are a talented team. But with all of this said, I think that we have the underlying intangibles much more than they do. I think that the mentality of this squad has really shifted in a way that shows in, in today's FA Cup results shows it that we can take on the big boys. We can play our game plan and we have a formation that's really maximizing us. I'm actually going to say I, I like our odds to beat Madrid at a six and a half out of 10. I, I think we have a good chance. I think that we're being overlooked by a lot of people. I think that we're continually, well, how are Chelsea going to win games by only scoring one or two goals a game? Well, we don't concede. So it's pretty easy, right? It's, it's what Jose Mourinho used to say. The easiest result is a 1-0 win. It's just the truth. It is. And, and we have a squad that's going to be able to do this time and time again. And we've showed it time and time again now under Tomas Tuchel. And let's not forget who was in the Champions League final last year. Tomas Tuchel with PSG. Probably should have won it if it wasn't for Neymar and Mbappe missing one-on-ones against Manuel Neuer. Now, if this was, you know, two, three years ago, I'd say, yeah, we got a really low chance, right? That, you know, that Ronaldo Real Madrid was what it was. Uh, one of the best teams ever. You get in a cup, and I don't think anybody's going to beat them because it is Ronaldo just willing things. But I think we're going to get a 1-0 away win in the first round. And then I think what's going to happen is we'll see it out with a 1-1 draw at home, and, and we'll get on, we'll get through 2-1 overall. That's going to be my overarching prediction. And I'll probably just all blow up and everybody can make fun of me and for being so wrong and being so confident. But I, I think that there is an aspect of this team. There's something about them that reminds me uh, of ways of the old guard. And I think that that's because we are seeing, if you want to think of it this way, the new old guard, right? With some of these younger players we have that have come through, not just that, but we have this really good mix of veteran leadership on top of these young players that I think will be the spine of this team for years to come. And I think this goes all the way back to what you're saying, Travis. If this is true, what I just said about the new old guard, that's when we're going to see these boys become men and they're going to, they're going to move on to the next round and we're going to get to the final. And even if we get to the final and lose, I think we've seen it before. The old guard went to a final and lost and that only motivated them more to get back and we eventually won. So even if we get to the final and lose this year, I think that for all fans out there, we need to realize just how, I don't want to say unprecedented because we did it in 2012, but just overall how great it's been for us to be on this run, right? All credit to everybody involved this season. That, That means all people involved this season. The club is a collective and everybody that touched that collective is and is responsible in some way or another for this. And that even does mean Frank Lombard, because the truth is without Frank Lombard, we wouldn't have gotten to Tomas Tupel. Right. So the, it's all a collective in my opinion. And I think that's a uh, credit due if, if for everything that's happened this season and the board, especially has done a great job with identifying that the squad really wasn't as bad as what we saw earlier. And we've, we've, we've identified the right guy and done so much to come in and change and turn around. So I think it's been a you know really good discussion. For all the listeners out there, appreciate your time and interest and support in all of us. We really uh, means a lot to us, and we we always look forward to uh, to more listeners joining in and uh, joining the Balance Blue crew. But for all of you listeners out there, until the next episode, keep the blue flag flying high.